love the way you say film. Hello and welcome to The Film Show. I'm your host, Owen Ronane. With me as always, I've got Dee Malumbi to my right and yes. Brian Lloyd to my left. Oh. It's a circular <laughs> table, everyone. <laughs> but I'm actually not to your left. I'm directly in front of you. You can't get away from exactly. me. <laughs> That's what right Arthur wanted when he set up his round table. Uh, anyway. <laughs> nice comparing yourself to, you know, it's good icon there. Yeah, the secret <laughs> is to not pick a theme before you start talking. And then I often find that... <laughs> the words will come to me in my brain and then to my mouth. Yes. And it's instantaneous. That is the legacy and... The belief of a bullshitter <laughs> that everything I'm saying, I'm saying it so convincingly that you believe it. I, I absolutely believe you. That's why you're movies editor of entertainment.ie, Brian. Exactly, because I am such a good bullshitter that it's when I strong. say something, I believe it. <laughs> and you believe it too. That's how it works. Okay. <laughs> we actually have a good bit of jumping off points from last week's yeah, podcast. Oh my remember, God. Remember, Brian was meant to prove his integrity. I don't think you, you have were going to defend your integrity. That, in that round I all. will in defend <laughs> my integrity. Let's save it for the middle of the show because I want you to stew on it. I can tell you were about to defend your integrity. And yes, I don't want to give I've, you the chance. And I've even got my thumb uh, in between my finger like this. The Obama. The, uh, no, the Clinton. Clinton did that. Oh, Clinton really? did that. Got yeah. your nose. He was a very integrous president. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great use of integrous. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that in my life. <laughs> Is that a word? Is integrous a word? I you said it convincingly this. enough. <laughs> yeah, I guess. yeah. You did. I learned from the best, Brian Lloyd. <laughs> uh, Keep it moving. <laughs> so uh, we were going to. Oh, actually, I have to give you an archaeology anecdote. Oh yes. Uh, the. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, bog bodies. Yes, okay. famous throughout Ireland because mm-hmm. our boggy midlands act as a perfect preservation. Yes, mm-hmm. for history in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, as stated in the last week's episode, both parents are archaeologists, which is incredible. Yeah, my mom's company actually found the old crone man, which is a famous torso near the hill of Old Crone in Offaly, I think. Wow. And they learned a lot about human sacrifice from this bog body because they have discovered that. um, So, like, they keep finding bodies along tribal territorial lines. Right. And they were often buried with regal uh, stuff. So that they now think that it was something to do with kingship ceremonies. They'd sacrifice a prisoner from an opposing tribe to herald in the new king or whatever in the Iron Age. I, so, yeah. I am always fascinated that when you look into Irish medieval history and prehistoric history, it's so fucking metal. You have no idea. Like, I remember reading this. I thought you were going to go for dense and unique, but no, metal. It's so metal. Because I remember I remember reading this passage. You can one. tell he used to be an emo. Oh, God, yeah, completely. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, City Gold. But no, no, no. I remember reading this thing from, like, I think it was the Annals of the Four Masters. And it was something like, 
during the reign of one king, it rained blood in Wexford, kind of thing, and a wolf was heard howling in the moon <laughs> and turned into a man and all this kind of stuff. And there was actually an old Irish word for werewolf. I think it was like Fuela, I think it was. Ooh. That like is very common. And like they say that like the entire town of Ossery was notorious for shapeshifters. No That's way. Yeah, just like Boris Irish. Boris and Ossery like, or something. Yeah, Boris and Well, no, Ossery, not Boris and Ossery, just Ossery. There's another Ossery, is there? Yeah, I think there's an, I think it's in like Leitrim, I think. I right. Say. But like, I, I'm not 100% sure. You're going to love this. The uh, the old crone man. Actually, was it that? It might have been another bog body, but they discovered, this is a full history podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> for like Forget the films. The old show. They have, uh, he had no nipples. Right? Right. So the nipples had been removed from the body. Sorry, D. Yeah. Oh, wow. D's getting Should the Should have given a trigger warning as well. No. But, no, it's very interesting. They, the idea oh, really was that out. it was to demasculify whatever the word is for him. Because he could then never be king. Because they reckon... Nipple rings. Not even... <laughs> You'd show up at a king's hall and the way you'd swear fealty is to suck from his nipples. Oh my fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh God. Dude, that was the, They think that like it's tenuous. They're trying to figure out why this would happen and they reckon that all the way you you know you showed your masculinity was the king was, had his nips yeah. out. And you had to give it a little lick. You had to to be nursed. That's amazing. It's time for movie news. Movie news. (laughs) I love that. It's so grossed out right now. Metal enough for you. Oh my God, I love that. I fucking love... Oh, that's amazing. You're going to be... So, speaking of masculinity, James Bond. That's a great... Yes. You keep us moving. Good segue. Good segue. Who will be a man forever. That actually is one of the scenes. It shows M behind the desk, opening up the shirt. Yep. Anyway, sorry, we'll transition away from nipples. Uh, It looks like a good trailer. Like, you know all the Netflix movies now have... They seem to have an obligatory guy comes out of the shower topless scene yeah like, That's a great wh- insight. like why is that a why is that a thing now because the female i actually gaze. think it's kind of sexist if i'm honest i think it's sexist surely you're taking your own back from all the female boobs that have been living yeah. through films i think that men shouldn't be obliged to do that just as women shouldn't be obliged to yeah. right. do certain scenes but there is that element of like you know catering to, as much as me, as much as movies are catering to the male gaze Female gaze? I don't know. Is that not a thing? Yeah, I suppose so. It's the... it, these are romantic comedies. Yeah, exactly. Right, and so. like, like, I mean, like, there's a whole thing as well. They do that in Marvel movies now that at least one Marvel movie, but it's just, if it's introducing a new character, they have to be shirtless at least once. Like, oh, yeah. Because like they did You do it. see a lot of Chris Hemsworth. Correct. And in Spider-Man <laughs> Homecoming as well, like Tom Holland took a shirt off when he was like changed and Ant-Man, Paul Rudd. No was way. like, was Oh like, yeah, he was yeah. ripped. He well. was absolutely ripped. Yeah. What's going on there? I, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know like the training that they go through is absolutely insane. For the women, it's all about the ass shots. I mean, it's ridiculous <laughs> when you compare the way Wonder Woman was shot by Patty Jenkins to the way Justice League is shot. And there are just so many <laughs> and unnecessary her skirt, ass And her shots. skirt is way higher. Yeah. Okay. There, there were a few ass shots in um, Charlie's Angels as well, I have to say. And I'm like, Elizabeth Banks, why? Why <laughs> would whom? you do this? For whom? <laughs> 
Especially because nobody's going to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Put it in an eye shot. That'll sell. Put it in the ad as well. Maybe. Actually, that's probably what it was. It was exactly. Probably. Being like, give something for the dads. <laughs> <laughs> the dads are bringing their... Who? <laughs> their wives Someone say something about James Bond and not his ass. All right. Oh. Um... Go on. I have a theory. You can I talk have, okay. about his chest. I have a theory. Well, no, he does. He's like the pecs he's got. Jesus. He's, you cook, cook, so he cut de- a coconut he with definitely him. has He's nipples. old, though. But he's getting close to Roger Moore kind of old. But he's in good Nick. He's in be- far better Nick than... No, oh, than Roger was in, in 1984. A to a <laughs> 1985, and it was A View to a Kill, and the song was Dance Into the Fire by Duran Duran. <laughs> Batty was Max Zorin, played by Christopher Walken, with Grace Jones. Oh. Made Oh my god, that's exactly it. And he was going to sink so Silicon Valley. And, and then just... Grandpa Bond shows up. Oh my god, that film was so terrible. Do you think this will have any echoes of it? I, I know, and but actually, speaking of echoes, I think Rami Malek is going to be, and I, this is just so fucking obvious that I'm like... It, Blofeld 2. No, he's going to be Doctor No. Ah, uh, I think he's going to be Doctor No because it's no time to die. Oh, oh and it's uh, Jamaica, right? It's Isn't set that, in Jamaica, yeah. yeah, which is where uh, a lot of Doctor No was set. Doctor No yes. was set off of, uh, and it was also Ian Fleming's. Uh, what house. did he call it? Goldeneye. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the name of his house was Goldeneye in uh, in Jamaica. Class. Um, yeah, I great name for a horse too. Anywho. Um, it is a thing though of I genuinely think he's going to be Dr. Nell like he'll be Julius Nell yeah that could be yeah, I can't that's picture, a fair theory yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. picture Julius Nell in Dr. No. he was a, an, he, I think there was, was a some, cheap enough production no, in a way it was, it was very chintzy like, and I think the actual guy I think it was Yellowface I think the guy <laughs> who actually played Dr. No was a white guy and was basically makeup. Oh god, to look of course. Like he was a like like Asian like. The, there's a good history of that in the Bond series. Yeah, like you only live twice <laughs> where there's an entire scene where he gets plastic surgery to make him look Asian and he just looks like he's got dark hair. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. They just like conditioned his yeah. hair. <laughs> that like and I was like this is so unnecessary. Why are you doing <laughs> this? Like who so what? Do you think that actually is a really good theory? Because th- then it comes full circle. Dr. Yeah. It goes right back to the start and he's Dr. No. And I then can... and then what they cast a young hip bond. Well, like your one Lashana Lynch is gonna play a double O agent. Yeah. And they acknowledge that in the trailer. Mm. So like the theory going around was was that she actually is double O seven. Because she took the moniker. Correct, yeah. It's, she took the code name 007 because he had retired from active service. That's exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. I can and tell you that's a really good theory. That's yeah. Spot on. I've met her actually. Yeah, you met her. She seemed yeah. nice. She was She's in Captain nice, Marvel. Yeah. She was in Captain Marvel. Yeah, I interviewed for it. She's really, really sweet. I really like her. She a lot. really gave off. Yeah, when I was watching your interview, it was like. She's still at that stage where she's like chuffed and yeah, she's kind of like she was a bit starstruck. It was kind of cute. Yeah, you know? those are two big um, feckin' productions. I know that's the thing in. in the Marvel verse and in feckin' Bond. So, yeah, fair play to her. Yeah, and what do you think after having seen the trailer now? Anyway, any new uh, vibes on it? I I don't really get what they're doing with the whole romantic plot. To be honest, because. Having seen like all of the Bond movies that Daniel Craig did, I have to admit my favorite remains Casino Royale. Yeah. And I thought that Evergreen was the perfect romantic interest for him. And I yeah. haven't seen another one to match. And I love like that 
whole story and how it ended up like her betraying him but then she had no choice and then the drowning and it was like really really sad and yeah. heartbreaking but like and it had significance as well it kind yeah. of lingered yeah. into the whole series exactly yeah whereas now I don't know with the whole Leia Seydoux thing it just feels kind of forced now I know I'm only seeing like two minutes of footage as opposed to maybe they're building this up over a whole like film or whatever but I don't know like it feels like it's going more into the romantic drama than the whole action element of it, which is yeah. weird because the action is kind of what we came for. It's probably because it's built um, on Spectre as well, which was yeah, exactly. serviceable, but poor. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. Leah Seydoux, I thought. Not her performance, but mm. just the kind of like, I love you. It's like, mm. do you? Like? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's the thing. Maybe they're kind of, building from Spectre too much whereas they should kind of try to ignore it but then they can't because they're continuing on with the Leia Seydoux plot and it looks like Blofeld now as well so I don't know I'm not I'm not as enthusiastic for this as I was before yeah. seeing the trailer I kind of feel like Blofeld was a little bit misused in the last yes. one yeah. or they've kind of tied their hands where everything was Spectre all along mm. and not only that as well but like why do the ridiculous like I'm Franz Oberhauer. No, I'm not. I am Blofeld and Stavro Buff. I mean, like, why do that? Like, yeah, why, it never why? really hit or something. Yeah, it I just... think because everybody was asleep by the time you find out who he is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and you're just like, I True. don't care. Just like, oh, he's got the cat. Great, I'm fine, whatever. <laughs> oh no, um, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think yeah, Spectre was serviceable. I think it had its moments, but it was definitely serviceable. That opening scene in Dieta. In Mexico. Yeah, in the yeah. Dia, Dia, that was Dia, amazing. Yeah, really yeah. well done. It was a one shot, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, one shot thing where he like walks out of the thing. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, yeah. Because like I, you hear all these kind of like rumors that it was a very long production mm. and like uh, Danny Boyle got left it because course, he yeah. just couldn't get on with it. Um. And it had to be put into production really, really quickly because Daniel Craig was basically on a, I was on a time limit kind of thing and stuff. So for age or for other work, uh, my understanding, I from what I heard, I think it was it was more to do with he was like, if this doesn't happen, I'm not. If this doesn't happen by this date, fuck it, I'm done. Yes, get one more out of me if you want. Yeah, yeah, and like he was to be fair, like I, I, there's a part of me that's kind of like he was very, very adamant. After Spectre that he was like, I'm done. He said he'd slit his wrist before he'd do it again. Not even that. Like, le- even leaving that aside. Yeah, because he has come back and apologised. Yeah, for he kind of backtracked. He said, look, if you stop somebody at the end of a marathon and said, would you go run another marathon? Of course, they'd say, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> but by the same token, later on in a further interview, he was like, look, I feel like I've done everything I can with Bond. I'd only go back for the money. And I don't really know wow. if I need them. He said that. He was like, I would only make another one for the money. I love him, actually, to be honest, in and terms I'm, of his honesty. Yeah, I yeah. kind of respect that honesty that he was like, I'm only doing this for the money. But then he's like, you know, maybe it's just he's so kind of nonplussed with press. Like every interview yeah. I've seen him done, he's really clipped with press. Like, yeah. But he did this Q&A with uh, Logan Lucky, which is a great film. It was such an only saw two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It's I so good. It. It's yeah. so good. He was doing a Q&A for that and the guy was like, look, I'm sorry, I have to ask you the Bond question. What's the story? He was like, look, you know, you talked about He was that. in better humour, you think? Better humour and he was like, look, I it is a lot of fun and I would miss not doing it. So, yeah, I think we're going to do another one and then... That was the leak. Like, that wow. was the leak. Like, no yeah. way. So, like, I don't know. I think he is conflicted about it. Like, 
which is understandable because it's so fucking huge. Like. There w- this one, it didn't, it's not that it didn't seem huge, but in terms of set pieces and stuff, it didn't seem like there were... That's what I was saying, that there's less action in the trailer mm, or something, yeah. which is a bit like, I don't know. Like, do you remember the trailer like- for Skyfall when yeah. he's like, there's a scene of him sniping in a building and then it's like he's on the lanterns going through mm. into the Chinese place or whatever. Uh, I don't know. But I'm half wondering if it's because it's his last outing. They're like trying to make it all drama and emotion. And it's like, we just want to see him shoot up a few more people and then it's character heavy as well. Just just walk off into the desert a la a grand cowboy. Yeah. You know? Mm. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think there's some tricks up their sleeve yet. Yeah. Mm. They have a lot of the like there was talk early on when they were talking about the Jamaica setting and stuff that maybe it's dealing a lot with colonialism and kind of mm. his representation of where Britain is now yeah. and its place in the world and all this kind of stuff. I mean, or it might just be a load of guns. No, I, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I would think, I mean, like, I mean, certainly Inspector, they kind of tried to deal with the fact that, like, he is actually a terrible person. Like, he's yeah. not a good person. Like, he, like, kills people. Uh, he has completely warped relationships with women and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Like, they do try to dig into it a little bit inspector like but will they go as far as confronting British imperialism <laughs> oh, I don't know that's asking a lot they're gonna like, tackle yeah. Brexit I mean it's asking a lot like it's yeah. asking a lot of what is essentially fucking fast and furious but with better optics I think like, they're just gonna do that Lashana Lynch's 007 go way and yeah. then that's what we get that's <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. and that's fine I'm okay with that I'm not expecting fucking deep political uh, unraveling of fucking society and bond. I just want to see decent action. Yeah, a few one-liners, something funny, good actors, bit of um, bond, bit of bond. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> Maybe it is. There know. you have it. All right, we're going to transition into movie reviews. Movie reviews. And there you have it. I love when you turn the page and you're like. And there you have Movie reviews. <laughs> so first we've got an Irish production, female Irish director. Very encouraging. Yeah, you have to do your little... I was um, really delighted to see uh, Dario Naharis, even in Ireland. Now, and we... We're... <laughs> Not Ed Screen. No, uh, well, no, 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 because uh, M- M- okay. Oh, we talked about it's this. M- Michelle. Michelle. I think That's I saw what Google Translate. M i k hyphen k e e l Mikiel Husman. But we could say Michelle. I think. Call him Michelle. <laughs> I'm just calling. Going to call him Michelle for the sake okay. of simplicity. Cool, cool. Michelle. Yeah, Michelle. Uh, better known as the lead in Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Well, one of the leads. It was an ensemble. Like, yeah, fair. Yeah, that's... He was the lad. He was the guy. He's he was the first the guy who we meet. He's episode one. Yeah. yeah. And he's that's in um, Game of Thrones until he just kind of disappeared. I had no idea the original Dario Naharis was Ed Screen. Yeah. And there me and go. my friends have a joke because he looks in that role like handsome Squidward. He's the most like pouty, beautiful, huge man who's like... Hello, Khaleesi, or whatever. <laughs> and then they just replace him with... With fucking Michelle Hughes or Michelle Hughes. But, like, it's funny. Like, Ed Screen, yeah, he absolutely does look like Handsome Squidward, even right down to the big chin with the little <laughs> dimple in the middle of it. Like, he's ha- he's Handsome Squidward. Like. He's better than Jai Courtney. <laughs> he is handsome. He is handsome, Ed yeah. Screen. You met him, didn't you? I did, yeah. We talk about this every week. too. 
But uh, oh yeah, and you got all yeah. doughy eyed. You're all like, hi Ed. <laughs> yeah. I did not. Look at her laughing. Look at her laughing. You threw your head back three times now in the last 10 seconds. Stop it. No. Actually, speaking of um, run-ins with handsome actors, Michelle Huseman was over here promoting the film and my friend ended up. So, you know, the lighthouse cinema toilets, the ones upstairs. Oh, yeah. And how you walk in and it's like one male cubicle, one female cubicle and one for... um, It's unisex, yeah. Yeah. So she was coming out of the cubicle and then he walked into the bathroom and he was like really really confused and she was like oh my god it's Michelle Huseman so he was like oh I'm sorry am I in the right and she's like no you're in the right it's it's both it's both bye which <laughs> <laughs> is like oh that's very like f- opening scene of a romantic comedy not unlike the last right look at me getting it back on track if you guys keep eating into my segues <laughs> no it's really useful you said to her, you encouraged us to I help. love it you no, said I, I need help I do need help uh, s- much like uh, the one of the cast members I'm sure in the last right yay I'm sorry it's it's a good podcast. So story-wise, it's essentially like a road movie. You got Michelle Huseman, who's playing this character called Daniel Murphy, and he's just come over for his mum's funeral, uh-huh. right? And he meets this kind of old guy on a plane and ends up talking to him and the old guy. It's the randomest thing. Um, he has no living relatives and he's meant to write down his next of kin for some like immigration document. Um, him coming over for his brother's funeral, yep. isn't it? Yeah. So um, as a joke, he writes down Michelle Huseman's character's name because he has no re- living relative. And, and because they have, they have, the, they have the, same the same surname, yeah. Murphy. Okay. And then the guy ends up dying before the plane lands. I love this. In the trailer, I saw that it's yeah. played by um, Jim Bishop Norton. Brennan, Jim Norton. Jim Norton. Yeah, there you go. Lovely man. You call me by my name, you little bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> I love I, what I love about that is, uh, well, then, you call me by my name, you little bollocks. It's just a dream, father. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> anyway, he wants he well, he doesn't initially want, but he's convinced by his um, autistic younger brother to help this guy fulfill kind of his last right of being buried alongside his brother. And that consists of like a trek across Ireland. Yeah. And Mary, who is played by Neve Alger, ends up joining them along the way. Oh, so, yeah. a bit of a road movie. It's Maybe Rain some Man. romance, you know. Like, yeah, it's Rain Man. Like, Rain and Man. to be fair, they actually do reference Rain Man in the film. Really? Yeah, yeah she, she does. says, you're did... just like Rain Man, you two. Uh, I didn't realise he was autistic from the trailer at all. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't yeah. paying attention. He's very good. He's uh, played by Samuel Bottomley, who is an up and coming actor. So Is he Irish or is he? Oh, no, he's English. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so he's, he's doing English, the accent yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, I, I, it, it's right. I thought that it was interesting in that they used a Dutch actor and an English actor yeah. uh, to play two Irish brothers. And mm. I think at least the, the, the thinking I got was, was that both of them kind of feel separate from themselves and separate from the country that they're actually crossing. Like, yeah. in, you know, uh, Michelle, uh, Michelle Huseman's character, he lived in New York. Was it New York or Boston? He just lived in America. Anyway. But he is American in it, basically. Yeah, he's he's American-Irish in it. Yeah, like he has an American accent. And but he, Is there a twang? He's meant to have left Ireland oh, 10 yeah, years like ago? Ages ago. Ages, oh, ages yeah. and ages yeah. ago. Age yeah. 10 or something, right? No, like 17. Teenager or something. Yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah, and the brother is autistic. So obviously by, by that, because he's not, uh, because he because he has autism, that kind of separates him from everybody else. 
So the only person that has like an Irish accent and seems normally Irish as it were is Neve Algar. And she herself is kind of like a bit flighty and a bit. She's gone through like a rough breakup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm getting PSI Col- Love You vibes. <laughs> I will- and then Colin Meany plays this policeman who's basically after them because Brilliant. they're they're essentially kind of breaking the law and trying to marry this guy, and they've kind of ended up stealing his corpse. Yeah, so it's just yeah. And um, his oh, I forget the name of the actress that plays. Yeah, like, she's great, but she's really funny. So she's like this like um, Garda in training who ends up kind of following Pairing them along with Colin Meany or whatever. Oh my gosh, she's so funny. The line she comes out with, oh, she's brilliant as well. So it is it is like a kind of fun, sweet movie with all of these like quirky characters and yes. great lines and stuff. It's very, very Irish in yeah. its humor. Yeah. Like I I didn't I don't even know how it had kind of travel. I'm I'm sure that mm. people would laugh, but like the audience I saw it with in the lighthouse, like everyone was laughing throughout. Like it was a very Irish movie for a yeah. very Irish audience. I don't know. I think we've talked about this before. I reckon these are the kind of movies that fly on yeah. American Netflix. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And not only that as well, I think there is that element of the more specific you make something, the more it, it's inclined for people to kind of project themselves mm. onto it. Like Kind of like what Ladybird was for a lot of people. The fact that it was so specific to that time period, to yeah. that experience that when you're watching it, you kind of have to work harder, not work harder, but like you connect with it more intimately, I think. You're like, oh my God, I knew somebody exactly like that. The small references and the stuff. Small right? references and just the kind of the quirks and ticks of it. like. Um, but yeah, no, there is, I think, to kind of play devil's advocate to what Dee was saying, I do think there is an element to the last right of you have to completely suspend yeah. belief. You know, oh yeah, there's there are one or two. In fact, there are a few moments that you're yeah. like, mm, that wouldn't okay. happen. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit too like too kind of romantic, quirky. Yeah, yeah. It's, quirky romantic comedy. It world. is very yeah. It is very romantic comedy logic, and you're like, people don't do that. Yeah. That doesn't yes. happen in real life, yeah. you know. And that's fine. Like, I mean, not everything has to be this fucking Paul Arvidi Ken Loach thing where it's all miserable. Yeah. And real. Not saying yeah, that's that. True. And like, you know, like if, if, you know, US, if the US and the UK can make these like really flighty romantic comedies, well, why the fuck can't we? Like, yeah, you know true. Like, yeah. Netflix, as we'll be discussing the way, later. Yeah. <laughs> the way you're talking about it reminds me of um, the other one, Leap Year. Yeah. When she's like, you know, oh, I've crash landed in Dingle. Dingle. And it's like, there's no airport. And she's like walking <laughs> along the road and then and her luggage everywhere. gets stolen and stuff. And it's that kind of thing, is it? No, it's not that bad. No, Leap Year was absolutely Darby O'Gill and the little people fucking <laughs> Irish paddywhacky. No, it really was. Like, Leap Year was bordering on offensive. Like, yeah. In, in all fairness, like, it really was. This is more kind of closer to... P.S. I love you, but not with Jared Butler's terrible Irish accent. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That's, you know, like at least Jared Butler owned the fact that he had a terrible it accent. It really would remind me, I know you said a cross between the Rain Man and the Holiday. I'd almost say a cross between Rain Man and the Young Offenders in terms of like, it, they're both road movies, both yeah. comedies. They're both very reliant <clears throat> on dialogue and kind of misunderstandings and stuff like that I would have thought I yeah. thought the young the young offenders was quite subversive and it definitely had a harder edge to it which I enjoyed yes this doesn't this is very it's good but it's very by the numbers it's a comfy Netflix movie it's a com- exactly that mm. there you are it is a very comfort comfortable film whereas young offenders there was more than a few scenes and it was like should I be fucking laughing at this yeah this is too funny like I'm like laughing it's like oh I shouldn't laugh at that Whereas this, it was like, this is 
golf clapping kind of like yeah, yeah but I would say it's also a good Netflix movie yes because they are so often I'd watch it for Colin Meany anyway yeah uh, he is great and he, I do tend to watch these it. things as a I can't believe they shot that I oh yeah, yeah oh, no, so I'm easily I, yeah. yeah I'm so impressed oh, yeah stupidly impressed with oh that's that's <laughs> the Luke and Spa hotel aren't they very is. good for even coming up is there the Luke and Spa yeah, hotel yeah they, they, they drive past <laughs> wow. the, I could actually tell like this is, this is just so Irish that I was like oh I know where they, they take are. the Sligo road they take the Sligo <laughs> road they're on the N4 but then it was like I was actually watching them the, the logic of their drive I was like hang it they're going wrong now they're, right. they're on the N3 now that's nowhere near Rathlon. I've, I've got to say though any road movie I've seen in Ireland they always kind of they're, they they're tricksy that it. way but I mean in fairness like you, you go to the States and I'm sure they'd say the exact same about True. their road movies yeah, like it's maybe. in terms of making it kind of a bit more aesthetic I suppose. they yeah, took the 259 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting off the I-9 they're going the opposite direction I think we're touching on exactly why like I am interested in that yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's yeah, no, what we've just we've just talked for four minutes about the roads or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I they can't believe a lot of time on the road. The Lucan Spa Hotel now, that's enough to make like that's a big it. but like to be fair, the Lucan Spa Hotel is absolutely a landmark for people. That's like when you're in Dublin when you're on your way into Dublin, that's what you say like oh it's and the thing of it is is that you do oh, a Poirot review of The Last Right to oh. see us out. And you have to say Hastings at the start. Hastings, let me tell you that I find it to be a very uh, enjoyable film, but a little bit by some numbers. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> no, mine would be worse. I mean, like, uh, I'm like I'm actually twiddling my moustache here to try see if it does anything, and it doesn't. <laughs> From New York to Ireland and back to New York, we've got Motherless Brooklyn. Hey, is that a segue? That's a pretty decent segue. Maybe. Okay. Oh, right. actually, I didn't get your rating. So it, uh, Three out of five. Yeah. Three and a half out of five. Well, you're a bit more Almost yeah. a four star film. Well, yeah. three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Is it four and a half? No. 3.25. Uh, great. 3.375. Three, three and three quarters. Like, I. Yeah, no. Yeah. Three, three and a half. Yeah. So, Brian, you got some uh, sweet airtime with Ed Norton. I think we're yeah. going to save that till the end of the show. We are. And we talked to Gugu and Bata Raw as well. Oh, yeah. She was lovely. She was really nice. She was a really, really nice lady. I never watched Doctor Who, but I know from people who do watch Doctor Who, she was really good in it. Like, and she was she's big... kind of Shakespearean actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, that's actually the thing about this is that all the actors that are in it, they're all theatricals. Like, they're all mm. like really, you know, big in the New York theater scene. Like uh, oh. Dallas Roberts and Alec Baldwin and Edward Norton. Um, the only one who's kind of like not sticking out like a sore thumb, but like in the sense of it is uh Bruce Willis. And what's going on here is is it's set in the fifties in New York. Um directed by Edward. Directed directed, written and starring Edward Norton. Is it uh, his debut? Is it directorial debut? No, no, no. He did a film years ago called Keeping the Faith. Okay. With oh. him and Ben Stiller and your one from He's Dharma. the priest. He was the priest. That's yeah. a great film. Ed Norton directed that himself. He did. He it was kind of like I want to say along came Polly, but it's just, kind no, of it's, it's just, similar buzz. Like it looks kind of you look at the you look at the cover of it and you think, oh, this is two schoolmates a... falling yeah. with the same girl, and yeah. one becomes a priest. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's you've you've got you've got it on one. Um, <laughs> and he was also kind of like he did um, 
He did. He directed parts of um, American History X as well. When it was a big falling out with him and Tony K. No, way. but yeah, no, he's a really good director. Like he's he is a very very strong director. Like he does have really good strong sense of character pacing. But anyways, um, so this is set in 1950s. Uh, his character Lionel Esrog has uh, Tourette syndrome, but he doesn't actually know what it is. He just says that he has this problem, and that's it. Oh, it's um, undiagnosed. It's back undiagnosed. Then, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Because it's set in the 50s, and he doesn't really know. He just knows that he has this tick. Um, his boss is Bruce Willis, who is invest. Who we at the start think he is investigating something regarding uh, a potential kind of scam that's going on in Harlem that he's been hired to kind of investigate. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis's character is then shot. Okay. And then now that's in the trailer. This is literally in the first five minutes, so I'm not giving that away. Uh, then the men who worked for Bruce Willis, including Edward Norton, decide, look, we have to find out what happened. The more that they get into it, it turns out that the murder of Bruce Willis's character was indirectly connected to this guy called Moses Randolph, which is such a uh, fucking neo-noir name. We're getting into LA confidential territory very, here. It's very, that's exactly it. Like that, what I would say about this film is, is that it is very much a homage to neo-noir, like LA Confidential, like The Big Easy, like Chinatown, like yeah. Kiss Me Deadly, like all those Amazing. really well-known noir films. But the difference here is, is that you look at something like Knives Out, which is a whodunit, but it plays with the genre. It kind of parodies a little bit. It kind of turns it on its head. It plays your expectations. This time around, it's doing it completely dead straight. It's just, there's no kind of, it's earnest. It's so earnest. You're just being like, given an inspector kind of film. Yeah. Exactly that. And I think that's in part due to the fact that... um. Uh, Edward Norton's character he really looks up to Bruce Willis in it like he mm. really like admires him he admires what he's done and he has this respect for him and he's trying to find out because like he was my boss and you know he saved me from this orphanage where the nuns were beating the shit out of me what? so I owe yeah it gets kind of goes protege into... yeah sit- wow, yeah enough. yeah no it was really interesting in that part of it but the problem I found with it was was that it was if if you have any kind of if you've watched any of those films I was talking about you know exactly what's coming yeah it goes and, straight to the top yeah it goes all the way to the top oh there was a family connection in it. oh it's all about money everyone's morally compromised yes. it was all just about getting people out of the city to build da 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 like it's very very the obvious the new dam outside yeah. Manhattan or yeah. whatever yeah I'm buying the future Mr. Gitz like it's all that kind of shit like it's very very obvious but like for somebody like on the one hand, I was like, that's very, very, like, I know exactly what's happened. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, this is very well done and I'm enjoying the performances. You can like, revel in it a bit. Yeah, you can revel in it a bit, but it's not anything you haven't seen already. Like, um, The soundtrack is great. Tom York did the music for no, it. No, wait. Yeah. No. He, did a, he did a song for it called Everyday Battles, which is lovely. Um, it looks very cold which I always think is good for cinematography when they're doing like films in cities. You always kind of think, oh, everything just looks wet. Like yeah. public enemies. Correct. Yeah. Where everything is just drenched because they're trying to, the cinematographer is trying to get the light to bounce off the... the I kind of saw that. I thought that kind of road to perdition look at mm. the start yeah, when I first go. saw yeah, it yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, this is more frozen. Like this is like, not frozen, the animated comedy, but frozen <laughs> in the sense of 
Um, it like it looks cold. Everyone's like huddled okay. in these big coats and stuff like That's that. That's a nice theme, yeah. Yeah, it's and is Gugu and Bathara kind of femme fatale or a bit more? You think that? See again, that's the thing of it. Like you think that she's going to be this femme fatale, to, yeah, yeah. But then it's like but no, then, she, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, like light my cigarette. You know how to whistle, don't you? It's like it's not <laughs> that. Oh, that's a good one. That's I do. Good. I know you'd make a great femme fatale. You just put your lips together and blow. Um, <laughs> Who asked to whistle? Is that a quote? It's, that's a quote. It's what's that? Is it? Is it not? It's not Maltese Falcon or Double Indemnity. It's one of them. It's one of them. It's Laura he, McCall that says. Yeah, it yeah. Does he whistle when she asks him to? No, I think no. It's, it's like a line that like got past the censors, basically. Yeah. So oh. he, she was talking about blowing. She was talking about. Oh, guys, I didn't know that. <laughs> fellatio. We should talk about fellatio. I didn't read yeah. that. Brian won't stop doing the gesture. I'm you can't do see, it. but it's gross. Throwing <laughs> your head oh back God, three so times. Sorry. What? You got it? I did, I did. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm writing that down. That's that's I'm re- I'm very sorry. Brian is gonna offend his integrity times I'm two next so week. So sorry. It's gonna I'm carry so over. sorry. We're gonna have to do a special at the end of the year where I'm just like apologizing for all the shit I've done over there. I'm very sorry. I'd love a highlight reel of that. Oh, <laughs> if gosh. there's any devoted fans out there. I we did a highlight reel one year. Um, when we got to 100 episodes on the on oh the it was it was it was Mike asking you what's on next year and you never knew and I never knew oh sorry next week not yeah next it was year. like what, what's out next yes. week and I was like uh like it was an entire producer reel. Charlotte yeah producer Charlotte Legend. put it together yeah fair play to her yeah um, so yeah Mudlet of Brooklyn yeah it, it's good it's just it's very predictable and it's very much kind of paint by the numbers yeah and I feel that's kind of the two of them like the last right and the Motherless Brooklyn they were both very paint by the numbers they're genre films yeah yeah. I look forward to that kind of one though like Motherless Brooklyn I could settle into not in the cinema I dare say yes definitely like I think it's the kind of one if you saw it on Netflix and you're at a loose end you could definitely like sit and enjoy it for two and a bit hours like yeah but trekking out to the cinema, not necessarily. And especially when Knives Out is still, still in cinemas. I fucking love that. I film. was so upset. I was meant to see it last night. And I, oh, you were scrooged saying, and I said, might try to get see it, to see it over the weekend, actually. I, uh, that, yeah. uh, that's top of my list. I mm. tell you both, I swear to God, you will not be disappointed. My parents saw it what over did the week. They loved it. Yeah, did they, they love it as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's so fucking good. I, I swear to God, really go out and watch it. It is yeah. so enjoyable. I... Really I'm going to read out the message I got last night from my mate Giles, who said I'd love it. Said, okay. you're in for such a sh- treat. It doesn't put a foot wrong. It's so clever and funny, and every character is brilliant and memorable in their own way. The storytelling is filled with such glee, and you get the sense that Johnson really respects his audience's intelligence and has a solitary goal to entertain the fuck out of them. And he, like, do you know what? Your mate, that's a abs- that's 100% correct. It's spot on. That is spot the fuck on. That I is, cannot wait. You will, you will, but you, you, for you who loves Parole, <laughs> and I think you who kind of loves sort good of. Good movies. Good movies, yeah, but no, but I'm, <laughs> no, but I know you, you kind of respect kind of uh, very sort of wry humor. Yeah, yeah. You, you enjoy kind of wry, a dry wit and yeah. wry humor, yeah. Whereas I know you love whodunits and you love horror. Oh, yes. So both of yours are going to get exactly what you want out of this. Awesome. We should go see it. Yeah. yeah set it don't up. go together now. I mean, I mean, maybe what? do. I don't know. I'm not your boss. Jealous. 
I, I mean, yeah, if you are going, tell me. <laughs> I've actually noticed that. The three of us have never actually gone to the cinema together. That's pathetic. That yeah. is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Not even on... Oh, Not lads. even on any of the junkets or yeah. any of like the evening screenings. Like. Wait, have you used to, Shirley? We've ended up at a few... I remember Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> actually two like <laughs> Halloween and fucking Suspiria. Yes! Oh my god. And Suspiria, god. like, Brian and I were just cringing oh in our god. seats. And Halloween, we were, like, looking through, like, our eyes. <laughs> yeah, like this that. is dead cute. Yeah. yeah it was I great. reckon we should give away a Christmas prize. One lucky winner gets to be the fourth chair as Ooh. the three of us go to the cinema for the first time. All three of us. We're definitely going to have to run this by <laughs> We can't just say on our podcast, we're doing this competition, guys. It's like, we haven't we haven't run this by anyone. So. Also, they might be out. freaks. If you're listening, I don't want to meet you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm don't sure look me directly me. in the eye. <laughs> We'll be in like separate rooms. We all sit in different corners of the cinema. (laughs) Just shouting at each other. I I like this one. In fairness, that's way less weird than when you're in a cinema by yourself and someone sits in the row just behind to the right of you. It's the creepiest You were in an empty cinema the other day. Yeah, Did someone come in? to me. It's so weird. Was that for the lighthouse screen? Oh no, that's not for the lighthouse. This was when I went to see um, that Melissa McCarthy one. What's the name of it? The The mom one. The kitchen? No, she was like the mom who went back to college. All the Melissa McCarthy movies eventually just blended. Oh, one of the, um, oh Life of the Party, I think yes, it's called. Yes, 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 um, yes. Yeah, and he had like cheesy nachos. This was related to, I told you this, remember when we were talking about our the food, food, yeah. food things. And the man came um, in and just ate cheesy nachos. Like what? Like how many rows behind you? One row behind you? One two? row behind That's me. That's a And like a few That's on purpose. moves away. Uh, like, a, like, like say two chairs to my right directly behind you. Oh no, that's, that's a, a creep thing. That's I think creep that's thing. a creep thing. That's, that was weird. That's a creep thing. I uh the that only was... other time I moved. I, I actually you moved. got up and moved. I moved. Fair play. You legend. To, yeah, Fair I play. got up and I moved way down a few seats and to the right hand side of the cinema. No I was like, ever... two can play the power seat game. Two right. <laughs> Much like, worse and... view down there though. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a crap view. <laughs> I made my point. Shit film, like yeah. who cares? Exactly. I don't think the view was gonna yeah, make it. The view's not gonna help you here, Melissa McCarthy. Like I can still see all of it and it's all shit. <laughs> I once uh, we were in an empty cinema, Julie and I, there was one other person we were in Canada and we were seeing Big Hero 6. Ooh. And then I went out to get food, came back, realized the other person had left. So she was on her own and was like, ooh, I'll have a bit of fun here. So I snuck up, darkened cinema, no one else there. I remember her being like, hurry back, because it was kind of a freaky scenario. And I went, ooh, she had a panic attack. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I thought you were gonna say, and it was the other person who was there. That's what I thought. thought No, no, she just never forgave me. That's a much more upsetting ending. That's we watched the film. We did see it. I know, but like, (laughs) at least you know what? At least it was Big Hero Six as opposed to some heavy hitting fucking horror thing. Like now, tonight's presentation. And um, I do, I will say though, I do love my favorite thing in the world to do. If I'm at a, if I'm at a horror film and uh, my favorite thing to do is just to be like, just jerk, just jerk right now. Cause like I'm sitting next no, to No, again, Brian, you need to ass- use your use of language <laughs> No, there. no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely like, 
What? No, I meant <laughs> if I'm on my own in a cinema. I'm afraid I blew myself. And now I've got a bit of a mess on my hands. <laughs> Again, context. You know. Can you write down integrity? Yeah, Again? Um, times three. Dude. I mean it in the sense of, uh, like, you know, like when it's just like, a sudden shift of movement. There we are. Oh God, that's even worse. Um, <laughs> Repetitive God movement. God knows what you're doing. But you know what I mean? Like that thing of just being like, like it's just making somebody <laughs> jump. Like, and it's just like, I do it all the time and I love that. That is good though. I, but is I it out jump, of fear? Like I jump with fright, but genuinely, and my fright will make someone It will make somebody jump. else. Yeah. It's like a little yeah. ripple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ruined. Actually, story sorry. Ruined. Sorry, <laughs> final, final um, oh cinema story. Just because uh, Brian being a jerk reminded me of this story. My mum once told me about how, so there was a guy sitting beside her and he put his hand on her knee, like stranger, Whoa. right? But you know what she did? Like fair fucking played her because you can imagine this was obviously yonks ago. She took her hand, put it on his and dug her nails right in. And he was like, yup. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, so fair play. And Jeez. you know what? She's kept her nails long ever since. Wow. <laughs> That's another dark, dark story. Dark story. Hey, it started dark, but it ended with, you know, empowerment. And Normally, stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least they're both, yeah. Of it, yeah. But she had to keep her nails sharp to keep. Yeah, that's like, really dark. That's kind of dark. She's like, kept her hands sharp ever since. Yeah. Well, I no added that for dramatic effect. Next time I see her, I'm going to look at her hand and she's like, like claws she keeps like, yeah, like razor blades you know when they start to do those yeah. twists and stuff like, that's much worse than nipples um, no, alright we have six minutes to get through <laughs> you know what I'll just reel it off really quickly so from the cinema to the couch at home yeah. uh, nice Nice Netflix so movies this, So this week I was required And it's out today We're recording this on Friday And it should be out by this evening It will, yeah Which means this will be on Netflix still yes. Tonight um, Brilliant I watched A Christmas Prince The Royal Baby So I've been watching a bunch of Christmas Netflix movies To reveal on site uh, To review on site rather Some have been okay Like Let It Snow Not as bad as I thought Klaus is actually lovely I heard that Some are terrible The Night K-N-I-G-H-T Before Christmas is just it's so bad. It's Wait, such is the a other one the movie. Russell? Uh... Russell, no, Kurt Russell. Kurt that's, Russell one. That was out last Christmas. Oh, okay. the Christmas Chronicles. This People is the, that's the one this. that I gave a cynical review to, and they were like, "Bah, humbug, Scrooge! You don't like a Christmas movie?" I'm like, I don't like bad this Christmas movies. Oh! But um, anyway, so I thought that A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby was a sequel, but it turns out it's actually a threequel. So there's A Christmas Prince and then there's A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding. Oh, and then God. there's A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby. Oh. So in the first one, um, it follows this uh, aspiring journalist named Amber and she manages to infiltrate the royal family of, I was about to say Ambrosia. Aldovia, that's the name of the kingdom. What? By pretending she's a tutor to the princess. Oh. Oh, fully infiltrate. Oh yeah, like she is. So she's working for the royal family, and they don't know she's actually a journalist and and not a tutor. Marries into it. Yeah, and then um, the prince like falls in love with her. In in spite of them spending actually very little screen time together, like she like it's much more focused on her relationship with the princess, and then the prince just comes in and out, and then he proposes to her at the end. Okay, okay. And then there's this whole like subplot where like. Sorry about the spoilers here. It turns out he's adopted. So uh, should he really be allowed to inherit the throne? She's not blah, a blah, prince blah. at all. Okay, right. Yeah, and it's just very silly. And then in the royal wedding, it's more of the same stuff. Oh, and also 
They totally stole the finale of A Christmas Prince from Bridget Jones' Diary because it's all like set in the snow and stuff. Oh, really? And there's a scene stolen from Beauty and the Beast because she gets attacked by wolves in the forest and Holy... then he comes in on a horse to save her. Oh, for the love of I know. Jesus. You can tell that we're not the audience for this again. Once again. Not I know. Not I love that you have like, to pitch these to the lads. I'm just like... Anyway, so then, yeah, you follow the royal wedding and as you can expect, it's mostly planning for the wedding but then also... Is that a this, film? <laughs> no, go on. Once. But then also all of this money is being stolen from the kingdom somehow, and it turns out it's it was their most trusted advisor all along. And no Amber, need for people to go back and watch the other. And Amber is like <laughs> bitching all through it about how I didn't realize being queen meant I had to sacrifice my identity, and it's like, yeah, no shit. Have you never seen the crown? <laughs> Duh. If you're going to be rich and royal, it's the same with being a celebrity, right? It's like, I just, I, I just wanted to act, but I didn't want yeah. to lose, you know, my anonymity. When I infiltrated the, you know? the palace that way, I want to only I give you spicy this, reviews. I, I just have all of this money and lavish gold and shit, but like, why can't I be myself? Like, fuck's sake. Anyway. <laughs> oh, geez. So, yes. You would yes. make such a good Scrooge. It, would be, it wouldn't be like an angry one. It would just be like, get it done. Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> Tiny Tim, Bob get the crack fuck. Shit. Okay. <laughs> Learn to walk. <laughs> no. Tell me, there's a script here. <laughs> Female Scrooge. There's a fucking script here. Um, but yeah, so the third one is really much of the same. You've oh. got like all the old gang back together again, okay, putting okay. out these character types and doing their average standard of acting. There's Kinda. lots of dad jokes. Oh, and there's a subplot where this <laughs> this ancient scroll that that um, <laughs> there's this ancient script that the kingdoms of Aldovia and Penglia have been signing like for generations and it's to prevent like war between their two countries and then it gets stolen and apparently it could cast a curse on the unborn baby oh so, my wait in of the film yeah no I have I have a couple of questions yeah um, who is actually in this? Is there anyone you would know? I, I don't. I don't know who they are. Right, I don't know really? who they are. Rose McIver. I think she was in something. I think she was in Eye Zombie or something. <laughs> no, and Ben Lam. I do, I don't know. I don't know. So nobody. So nobody would be like, oh, it's that guy from that thing. No. Great. Unless, is it unless, for families? unless it's more rubbish. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's just for families. I mean, like even like for the royal baby, it's so funny because there's actually like at, at least at two points she brings up her birth plan, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. They're actually going to go through this, and then they don't actually show the birth at all. Really? So, yeah. It's odd because I mean, they wouldn't show it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. You know, well, like I mean, was it all? Yeah, go on. Uh, no, but it's no. like, what, what, why, why they even like bring it up? It's like, look how contemporary we are. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, and they have a whole bit where <sighs> they have a whole <laughs> bit where the king That's of science. Aldovia and the king of Penglia show what great dads they're going to be by building the baby crib together, uh, only for it to fall apart again. Like what I was gonna say was was that I actually enjoy the Princess Diaries. Hey, that's oh a good, yeah, hey, that's, that's a good one. That's my point. That's my point. I'm saying the second one's kind of rubbish. Yeah, second one's kind of crap. The one with Chris Pine, pretty muck. Yeah, but it is this thing. It's the fantasy of. Yeah, I get it. Like mm. I get it. This just sounds terrible. But yeah. but like if they're making three, I mean, okay, fine. They're obviously making them for fucking peanuts. 
Oh, oh yeah. Like they look the, cheap as the shit. The quality like. of some of the props is outrageously yeah, bad. Really. Like like the ancient scroll that's hundreds of years old. <laughs> has like a price tag hanging up. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Like even like like um so remember I mentioned in the first one, like when it turns out he's adopted, like it literally looks like someone typed up a word document and hit print. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like that's comic how sense. Poor it is. Com- yeah. <laughs> copper <laughs> copper plate copper plate gold. Um yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Like I that's mean, the thing. It's they're obviously cheap, and obviously people go to watch them. And like I am being a total Scrooge here, and people <laughs> watch them and be like, "Oh, it's so lovely and Christmassy." And that's the other thing. Each of the films is set at Christmas at a consecutive year. Yes. So it's like her royal wedding is exactly at the time of Christmas, and the babies do exactly at Christmas. So it's just so it's a boring summer. Yeah. Yeah. The most that's the, your biggest issue. <laughs> Merry Christmas, listeners. <laughs> Yo ho ho! You are dead right though. Is it a one star or? I don't know. I don't. I don't know even how many star is it even. Can you give? Could a niece watch it? Like you know. Like that's the thing. They're they're super family friendly. So like families will watch it together. That's enough. And I think that like parents are always relieved when they can watch a bit of live action as opposed to always cartoons. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know what I mean. But even I enjoyed Um, Frozen too. I thought some of the themes were. I did, I did really like Frozen 2. See, that's the thing. I don't think your movie should be forgiven just because it's set at Christmas. I think that there are good Christmas movies and I think that there are crap Christmas movies. Yeah. And why can't we just watch the good ones? There are enough good ones that we don't need to forgive every Christmas movie made. Yes. You know? When did you get to see Frozen 2? In the cinema with Julie. I wanted to go see Knives Out. We went to see Frozen 2. It was fine. That's... It was fine. I rarely get to the cinema. <laughs> just, no, no, yeah. It was, just, it was like, it was like, I was like, you don't have, you don't, you don't have kids. And like, do you have like a niece? No, or no. A nephew? You just went yourself. Yeah. She's a big, but is Julie a big Disney fan? She's think? a listener of the podcast. So I can't say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she will hear this and then say it to my I niece. think I enjoyed it more than her in the end. Oh, wow. Was oh, wow. the thing. What, just because I had low expectations and she had high expectations. Oh, well, there you go. See, and They're I very... didn't like the first frozen too much so maybe that's why I enjoyed the second one so much yeah and I've read that from a couple of other people who weren't mad about the first one so maybe if you're a super fan of the first you won't like it as much that's a good point yeah and to me it was just I was telling Dee before that um my favorite thing when I'm watching them is that obviously they're incredibly competent films Mm -hmm. from Pixar or whatever yeah and they've not Pixar or sorry Disney in this case sorry no spot on they it's the story beats. It's seeing how tight they've got it and yes. how it's like every nanosecond of introduced stuff. I'm like, right, well, see you again in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's Check satisfying. Like, yeah. It's good. Like, it's like, yeah. even in terms of like where the songs come in and everything. You yeah. Know? I thought they skirt the line between musical. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's not a genre I'm familiar with, but uh, I liked the kind of Scandinavian setting. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is that thing of like, it is, it is very much well constructed like you know you can always like i think that's the thing of you if if you have if a script and a story is well constructed you can a lot of things can be forgiven do you mm. know that kind of mm-hmm. way like even like motherless brooklyn like it's interesting as well because it's like it's not something you could necessarily rely on with all the marvel films say yeah mm. but there's something about animation and the work that goes into them that if you're going to coco if you're going to like you're you know it's going to be competent. The bar yeah. is actually quite high. Mm-hmm. And I'd say so that's lot, reassuring. Yeah, and I think what a lot of that as well is is that they have to, because the pipeline for actually animating everything is yeah. so fucking 
arduous. Yes. They have to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. So they Very don't, true, yeah. So they don't hand the script off for it to be made until it's gone through fucking how, how knows how many yeah. drafts and they're absolutely and they can happy. CGI these previs exactly. edits or whatever yeah 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 exactly yeah so like any changes that they're making they're minute at best yeah or if there are big changes like I think it was um, it was either Inside Out or it was it was one I think it was Inside Out where they actually just ripped it up like nearly like a quarter of the way into production and oh, just no. started over again Wow! Because they were like the guy who was directing it. I think it was Pete Doctor. He was like, "I'm not happy with this." It's not hitting the beats or whatever. It's not hitting the beats. I'm not feeling this. And he just tore it up and started all no over way. again. And then scrub it and be. Can you repurpose freaking... the right choice? In fairness, oh completely. Inside Out ended up being perfect. It's a bit like um, what should we call it? Toy Story in the really early stages. They ended up doing a whole revamp of it because they realized that Woody was coming off as a complete asshole. asshole oh, okay, and yeah. that he was ju- he just had no appeal whatsoever. That he was just coming across as this jealous jerk, sure. and they had to like kind of reconstruct the whole thing and they brought out the whole like Woody kind of talking to the toys and really emphasizing that they're there for Andy to kind of emphasize yeah. himself. He became that ringleader kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before all the kind of jealous stuff kicked in. And then they went yeah. fully after that in the latest one. Yeah, <laughs> it's there nothing you go. but we're here for Andy. Um, there you have a nice little uh, CGI roundup at the end. Mm. Did you give us a rating for Christmas Prince? No, I won't. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Un- unrated, unrated, good. triple X. Well, you can't rate a movie like that because I'm just going to come off as a Scrooge. But like, it's, I think it's, it's so <laughs> You are a Scrooge. But like, it Scrooge. is. But it is so fucking obviously like we are just making this because the algorithm is telling us. It's a Barbie people, ad or whatever, yeah. It's a Barbie ad. Like, yeah, it's like people are like the algorithm is telling us that people watch this film. Yeah. So we'll just make two more. I think you could say that about every single film on the planet there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it Pretty is feed an algorithm. Yeah, fucking is. Well, it's a bleak Christmas. We've got. Are we? We're hosting next week, just before the break, perhaps. Yeah. And oh then, yeah. No, we'll have we'll have at least two more shows. Yeah, we'll yeah. have two more shows. Yeah, we have to do. We're gonna do our best of the decade special episode class, and then we are going to do our end of year roundup special uh, with our picks for Christmas movies oh, i love it it's so, a good website it's a great website it's a great <laughs> entertainment.ie exactly. yeah they, no well actually what what is it there's a christmas hub telling people exactly what christmas movies to watch yes on the website day yes. by day breakdown all the different tv channels yes. we actually have a frozen two hub currently on site as well Ooh, if anybody likes frozen two that much and we're going to see it out today with two delicious interviews brian yes movie interviews movie interviews yeah, so uh, we have uh, two interviews today. We have one with Edward Norton. That's the first interview you're going to hear. And you hit we... on a couple of Irish points as well. Very we did, tasty. Yeah, we were talking about how um, uh, I was asking him about uh, Jim Sheridan. Jim, well, yeah, it kind of came up in this course of like, you know, playing a character with Tourette's. Do you kind of have to get into your head? And then he kind of used uh, Daniel Day Lewis's performance in My Left Foot. Uh, as Christy Brown is a kind of an example in that it has to be completely natural. You can't really think about it when you're doing it. But yes. then he kind of talked about how that triptych of films that Jim Sheridan did with Daniel Day-Lewis, the boxer in the name of the father and um, My Left Foot, that in each in each three films, the central character is this real tough nut who just can't yeah. who can't be beaten down. And he kind of compared that to Motherless Brooklyn, which is a very, very good comparison. Yeah. 
And then the second interview you're going to hear is with Gugu Mbatha-Raw, uh, who plays uh, Laura Rose in Motherless Brooklyn. And we talked about how her character is connected to Alec Baldwin. She didn't actually get to work with him that much, but I was like, what is he like in real life and stuff like that? Just yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with Alec Baldwin. He's got a great history from... Um... Fucking like you can picture him in those kind of stagey oh God, roles. Yeah, yeah, know? totally. Yeah, like I mean, like you go back to like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That's like, exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can totally see him in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like or any kind of. Table. Always be shifting houses. <laughs> Always be closing. <laughs> Coffee is for closers. Do you like my watch? It was a. I make more than you. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Oh, old Gil, Old Gil from The Simpsons is cool. is Jack Lemon from Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah, Did you give him the old one two. <laughs> I just need some I new need leads. Susie <laughs> Kwan, best the, the Glengarry leads. <laughs> anyway, go on. But uh, yeah, so we were talking to her. About, oh yeah, we actually talked about theater as well. The fact that like all the actors in it are theatricals. We talked about that. Um, people are about to hear it. People are about to hear it. They'll hear this all. Uh, so yeah, both interviews are on site now, or you can listen to these interviews. <laughs> right here so yeah hey it's a good podcast what i really loved about the film was was the fact that the kind of humanity of the character lionel comes out um in in the in the fact that the, you know the threats that he is so aware of it and that he can't not mm. kind of like explain himself if you like okay listen i got something wrong with me that's the first thing to know i got threads in my head I got threads in my head, man. I twitch and shout a lot. <laughs> Makes me look like a damn freak show. Can't you ever I'm cut that out? I'm sorry. Touch it, Bailey. I'm sorry. Was that something that you wrote into it, or was that something that you felt naturally occurred with the character? Uh, it, it's it's fairly natural. Um, the book the book has a a wonderful richness of description of this character and the um, uh, it, it, this is a, hard to explain. But the book takes place in the modern era. Yeah, in the 90s. And, yeah. and we, we, we set it back in part because we liked the idea, the author and I liked the idea of almost reimagining it in a time when he doesn't even know what he has. Yeah. So what you just described, the the frustration of having something you feel you constantly have to suppress and apologize mm. for because, and you don't even know what it is, we, we intensified that a little mm. bit purposefully because it, it's lonelier. You know what I mean? It's... um even more of a struggle. We wanted to kind of intensify his his isolation. Yeah. Um and his 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 invisibility to people yeah. in some ways. The headspace that you had to get into to kind of play that role because I mean I know one of my best friends in school had Tourette's and the thing that he always kind of just just as I was watching this, I was comparing it to his kind of issues with it. And the problem that he always had was was that he felt that uh, he needed some sort of outlet to focus it into. So, like, he, he played in a heavy metal band. Mm-hmm. So, like, he would just, like, play drums. And every time he'd have a tick, it would just look like he was mm. headbanging or something like that. Um, for you, I mean, when you were in that headspace, what was the most challenging thing about it? Was it just getting the actual physical physicality of it? Or was it... Yes, I think that um, you want... You, you can't be thinking about it. You... Because it's it, involuntary. It's, it's like, yeah, I was saying to someone, it's like a basketball player or a football player. You you can't be thinking every time you pe- move the ball from one foot to the other. It's just got to become intuitive. It's got to be muscle memory. And you, it, it's essentially the same. I think it's got to become sort of a, a fluid part of your your being. Yeah. Um, which is 
that's the work of, of rehearsal and <coughs> pardon me, practice. Um, but uh, I, that is, I mean, what you just said is that that's, that's the draw is this will be hard. Mm. I mean, as an actor, you say, I have not done this. This will be interesting, challenging, a puzzle to figure out yeah. how to get to that. Um, I mean, it doesn't even compare with like the score, for example, like where there was a similar kind of like physicality to it. Like, uh, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that for a bit in the, what you in the score, the funny thing like, he's faking in the score. Yeah, of he's, course, he's, yeah. A, he's a con man. Yeah, um, it doesn't mean his con isn't good, but yeah, in a it's way, really it's good, like, like yeah, it's um. So yes, there's there's a dimension of that. I think you know it's funny uh, thinking of. A great Irish filmmaker and a great Irish actor. Um, the you know my left foot like a yeah, performance like that. Was. You yeah you you you. What's really great about it is not simply the physical, the physical incarnation of Christy Brown. It's 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 the total humanity of yeah. him. It's the fact that what they captured was his. You know he was a real like he came out of, of a him. Bitch, yeah in yeah a way. yeah. You know, he completely. was a real. He was a human being. He was lusty. He was funny. He could be mean. You know, and his art still serves up out of yeah. a trance of who he was as a human being. N not he was not defined by. Oh no, I think that's the whole point in a way, right? That's that's why it's um, um, and in a and in a wild way, isn't it like to me, the reason that film is one of kind of what I would call almost like a triptych of great Irish films they made in the name of the father, Jim Sheridan, yeah. and um, and the boxer, you yeah. know, th those three that they made together. They they get at something essentially Irish, don't they? I mean, he Chrissy Brown, it's that that fight. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm not yeah, gonna let exactly. This me down, and, like. and I think that Lionel, he has you know motherless Brooklyn. He has a quality. He's a Brooklyn orphan. He's a street tough Brooklyn kid. He he is those things alongside this, and and it's part of his fight, mm. his kind of underdog fight to get out to to. Push through people's uh, the limitation um, that's on him, and 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 be her heroic in the mm. end. Push back uh, beyond his daily battles. Push back against power. Go up against bigger people, um, and defend others. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think and I think there's something in that. It's it's not just kind of he's quintessentially New York, but it's also. It's not know, you know, Yeah, it's, it's but it's also that it's the times we're living in. It's like you you. He, he reminds you it's good to be empathetic. It's it's good to root for the underdog and mm. not um, get fall into the romance of uh, of power. The and tragedy all. of yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really good. Okay, I'm getting the wrap up. Oh, Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Pleasure. This town is run by Moses Randolph. When someone isn't seen for what they truly are, that's a very dangerous thing. Do you have the first inkling how power works? Power is knowing that you can do whatever you want and not one person can stop you. Those people are invisible. They don't exist. If you threaten his work, he will destroy you. You all alone? You got no idea. You're webbed up in this somehow and these people aren't gonna stop. If, if, if. You got a head just like mine, always turning things around. Some people call it a gift, but it's a brain affliction just to say. You remember what I said? She doesn't know! She doesn't know! What don't I know?
First question I wanted to ask you was uh, with regard to the actual script itself because it's so like dense and there's so much dialogue in it. Mm. Um, I remember uh, Edward Norton said in another interview that like the reason he hired a lot of people was because he had a theatrical background. Was that the same for you as well? Was that like because you've done theatre in the past? That yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I went to RADA. I did, you know, train, you know, in theatre and I've done Shakespeare. But um, you're right, the script itself, you know, obviously adapted from the novel by Edward himself is very dense. It's wordy, you know, and every character has these, um, you know, great sort of New York uh, rhythm, rhythm monologues you know when they're introduced which I love because you know you sort of have something to get your teeth into and it sort of has that muscular energy which um, I think Edward felt as as an actor and a director that he wanted to feel supported by actors that didn't need too much hand-holding when it came to the dialogue. Yeah definitely. (laughs) They could just like rattle it off and there wouldn't be any issue with it. Yeah and I think when you come from theatre you're used to having the responsibility of the whole story in one go as opposed to it all being you know edited together. Yeah the um how do you when but a character like this i mean the fact that it's kind of set in such a, peri- a specific period of time in such a specific place with mm. such pe- uh, location specific dialogue um how do you find yourself getting into the character is it just by the script or is it like putting on you know the hair and the makeup or is it the location itself or how do you find your way into it like for me, it's really a combination. I mean, obviously, we had the script to sure. begin with, and my character isn't in the novel. You know, Jonathan yeah, yeah, wrote was... this amazing book, but that was set in in 1999, and Edward transposed our story to 1957. Uh, and so, for me, you know, there was uh, obviously the script to start with, and then really just exploring the era. Um, I had never been to Harlem before I I got this role. So for me to be able to go to Harlem to research the history, to get to understand my character's backstory, also the fact that she is from this jazz background. You know, her dad owns a jazz club and I love jazz. So that was, you know, not a hardship to be listening to music of the era. That's always helpful. And then when it comes to the costumes, we had this incredible costume designer, Amy Roth, who, you know, we talked a lot about Laura's look for the film because even though it's a noir, she's sort of more than your classic, yeah, the bright blue is so yeah, noticeable. Yeah, I have this blue coat and there's a song, in fact, or a theme that Daniel Pemberton wrote called The Woman in Blue, where Edward's character's following my character for a long time on the subway. And, uh, you know, she really wanted her and we really wanted Laura to feel approachable and intelligent. You know, she's not just a jazz club diva. She's an activist. She has a law degree. And, um, you know, she went to college. She's She's got that, um, that quality about her that is um, she's able to inhabit both worlds. So we wanted her to feel sort of culturally bilingual yeah and confident as well I think yeah. the idea that like she just won't take shit off anybody yeah. even if it is you know kind of out of realm um, how did you find working with Cherry Jones because oh, like, like yeah I love Cherry Jones she is such a legend and she's so powerful and uh, you know in this role she's so sort of forceful you know and ferocious especially that scene where she sort of confronts uh, Alec Baldwin in the town hall and uh, I loved working with her you know she's got a, a wonderful theatre background as well and uh, I just really admire her her and there were a few women on set you know Leslie Mann yeah. has a, a role but we didn't have any scenes together so so Cherry was really my only other fe- only female yeah, yeah. sort of collaborator which was really nice yeah did you have any I mean I know you didn't you kind of had like one or two scenes with Alec Baldwin but mm. did you get to talk to him and I don't want to kind of yeah. no it's so crazy I think in Motherless Brooklyn 2 there will have to be a big big confrontation scene yeah. with, with my character and Alex's character obviously that would be major but, um, but no I mean I'm a fan of Alex's work for such a, a long time and he is so phenomenal in this role. I think, you know, people have... He's become synonymous, obviously, more recently with his his, his comedic work. But yeah, he's, 30 Rock, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but he is such a fantastic dramatic 
actor and he really you know is kind of intimidating and and you know brings that sort of power power hungry uh, sort of bully to life really in this character but unfortunately we didn't have any scenes together no, that's <laughs> no because he just he was really good in it like he was like yeah. I, I could really see the two years like if you throw what's that scene together it would have been brilliant but yeah maybe in the, in, the sequ- the sequel. In, in the sequel in the sequel <laughs> 